Welcome to the Outsiders Podcast. We are back. Tyler, we are back. We're back for the second half of our first season. And uh, we took a couple months off to uh, deal with a lot of personal stuff yeah, and to most definitely. Uh, be able to celebrate the holidays mm-hmm. uh, without um, having to worry about the podcast. Right. And so we are back now today. We are recording on January 20th, yep. which is a big day. It is my wife's birthday. Is it? Yes, it is. It is my Happy wife's birthday, 43rd Jess. birthday. And uh, today is the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Yes. And um, and so a lot of things going on today, mm-hmm. a lot of things going on in our world. And a lot we of things are, could be going on this afternoon. Yeah. I mean, who, who knows what the future <laughs> holds? Only the Lord. Yeah. And uh, so we, we plan to get into a few things about the election. Right. Uh, t- really, today, what's interesting is, is both of our, uh, both Heart Check and the, the meat of our podcast, they are both, you know, kind of topics in and of themselves. Right. But um, Monday was MLK Day. Yeah. And we don't want to, uh, as a podcast on race, justice, and Jesus, you, right. you, you can't skip over MLK and, and not talk about you know, his impact a little bit. His birthday, I think, was last Friday, Yep, if I believe. And so we just want to spend a few minutes here um, because he is on our heart Mm -hmm. right around this time. So our heart check section is actually going to be about MLK and and who he was and what his vision was, how he accomplished his vision, what his legacy is. Uh, And then we'll get into the meat of really, I guess, what today will be about. Yeah, Uh, Martin Luther King believed something very biblical hmm. that all men were created in the image of God right. and they should enjoy the same rights and privileges. Right. Uh, and he believed what the constitution says that all men were created equal. Hmm. And so one of the, the most famous lines in his, I have a dream speech was that he hoped his children would be judged by the content of their character, not the color of their skin. Right. When MLK um, was growing up, that was a very real thing in his life. He saw that he was judged for the color of his skin, not the image bearer of God that he was or the, the content of his character. Right. But it's interesting because there were so many different philosophies about how to go about getting blacks yes. the rights yeah. in America. And one of the things that I think was so prevalent in MLK's life. And I think what, what really spoke to the U.S. at large was his nonviolent protest movement. Right. Yeah. Um, King refused any philosophy of the American civil rights movement mm-hmm. that was about um, violence, right. a, a powerful, you know, violent overthrow of the government. He yeah. fiercely believed yeah. that and really drove it into the hearts of his followers and the people that were, were looking to him yeah. that if you're going to change minds and if you're going to make the world a place of equality, peace, and civility, that you can't become like the people right. who you are really opposing. Yeah, and I think what's crazy about that is that that, that was not popular at all. Uh, you right. know, a lot of times we look at MLK these days and, and say, you know, he's a hero and mm-hmm. he's, you know, he kind of pioneered that way of thinking. But but that was not popular back then. He was not loved like he was now. No. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. I think that's one of the things that people don't understand. Right. MLK was hated. 
hated by most white Americans. Right. In fact, I, I read but even even his pro black like there were pro black movements yeah. that did not believe in nonviolence. Right. Yeah. They wanted a and violent movement, and he because they thought that was the only way. Right. And yeah. so he's too soft. Yeah. He and couldn't he's get trying things. to lead this, and so for him to make that big impact that he right. did. Um, through nonviolence right. and, and leading that kind of thinking is, yeah. is and and being opposed by white America and then being opposed by some, you know, black Americans. Mm -hmm. You know, he he was getting it from both sides. Right. And in fact, I I think at the at the time of his death, um, the last time they polled for his popularity, it was under twenty percent. Right. In America, so yeah. he he was not a guy that was looked at at the time as a guy that was really, yeah. you know, Matt, doing things the way they should be done. As a matter of fact, the things that he was called a Marxist, yeah, a socialist, right. communist, like he was called those same things, right? Yeah, and and those things couldn't be further right from what he was, right? Um, but they and, and his him. yeah, absolutely, it's a way <laughs> to dismiss. But his vision and his leadership. Yep. stemmed from that idea of nonviolence. Right. And of course, it was completely wrapped up in Christianity. Mm -hmm. And and people today don't realize that the civil rights movement in the 50s and 60s was wrapped right. in Christianity. It yep. was wrapped in scripture. All you have to do is listen to, you know, some of his speeches, read some of his speeches, yep. read some of his books and you will see that it, it is immersed yeah. in Scripture. Yeah. And he got his P's and Q's from right. what he believed Scripture taught. So yeah. the reason why he was nonviolent wasn't just because he, you know, just had this philosophy of let's try to be nonviolent. It's right. because he believed that that was the biblical approach yeah. to overthrowing, you know, wickedness in the world yeah. was through nonviolence. It's amazing. That there was a higher meaning mm -hmm. to what he was doing. Right. And, and Scripture was the the precedent for how to go about in those things. Yeah. And and it allowed his nonviolent movement wrapped in Christianity allowed civil rights protesters to avoid some of the legal challenges that would have been right. if they were violent. In other words, they would have spent so much of their time yep. fighting the legalities of mm -hmm. things they had rules they had broken yeah. rather than fighting racism. Right. You know what I'm saying, and, and so that there that was would more have, time and focus on on what was important. Yeah, yeah, because and, they're available, right? <laughs> so they imagine if they and, imagine if that's that they had to spend so much of the majority of their time fighting legal battles, yeah. then they can't actually do the things that they're trying to set out to accomplish. Yeah, and so there was so much wisdom yeah. in that as well. So not only was it a philosophy that was you know based in Christianity, there was wisdom that went behind it, right. knowing you know, what would be the best approach to accomplish what we wanted to accomplish? You yeah. know what I mean? And that was nonviolence. And, uh, you know, King detailed the six principles of nonviolence in his book, uh, Stride Towards Freedom, mm -hmm. the Montgomery story. Right. Uh, and we'll, we'll just kind of briefly go over them real quick. We won't spend yeah, these are, these time are, on these them. These are but, great. Uh, the number one is uh, nonviolence is a way of life for courageous people. It's active nonviolence resistance to evil. So it is active nonviolent resistance to evil. Yeah. Number two, nonviolence seeks to win friendship and understanding. Uh, the end result of nonviolence is redemption and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. That's huge. And, and, and what was so funny is as, as 
he was labeled a Marxist, as mm-hmm. he was labeled a communist. Right. He he was labeled one that wanted to overthrow. Mm. Right. He wanted to to get rid of and redo. Right. And replace. And really, what he wanted was redemption and reconciliation. reconciliation. Yeah. Uh, that was the the end result of what he wanted. He wanted to combat evil. Yep. So that. Uh, reconciliation and redemption can take place. And the fact of the matter yeah. is, is that there is no reconciliation and redemption without evil being addressed. Right. And nobody is comfortable with their evils yeah. being addressed. Right. Uh, but the way that he did it allowed for that redemption. Yeah. Uh, number three is one of my favorites. Uh, nonviolence seeks to defeat injustice, not people. Right. Man. Right. That's that's crazy. That's right. amazing. And I I think it's because, yes, human beings are evil. Right. But his his goal wasn't to destroy human beings. Right. You know, I mean, that would be the opposite of what his movement was. All men are created equal. We are all image bearers Mm -hmm. of God. We all need to be on the same level playing field. And then to turn around and destroy human beings would be the opposite of what he's trying to accomplish. And MLK believed them to be the victims as well. You know, yeah. the evildoers are also victims. Yeah, they're victims of their own sin. Of their own sin. Absolutely. Exactly. So, Absolutely. Uh, nonviolence, uh, number four is nonviolence holds that suffering can educate and transform. Nonviolence willingly accepts the consequences to its acts. Two things there that are really important. Yeah. Where do you think the, the idea that suffering can transform? Where do you think he got that from? Mm-hmm. He got that from Jesus. Yeah, Jesus' suffering mm-hmm. is what transformed the world. Right. And so his ideology was that's that's what we should image. That's what we should live out. Right. This idea that we suffer, we sacrifice, we give of ourselves, right. and that's what changes things. Yeah. And he was willing to accept, like I said, whatever consequences came with that, yeah. um, he was willing to accept it. Yeah. You know, but he knew that se- that suffering and sacrifice was the way to change. Yeah. You know, I love that you can't separate uh, MLK and his faith to his movement. Like I, I love right. that his movement and his faith are one and the same. Yeah, they, you absolutely cannot try to to parse those out and split those up. It, yeah. it cannot happen. Right. Um, his and that's why it's so impactful. Absolutely, absolutely. If it didn't have that, then it would not be as impactful. Yeah, his movement was immersed in scripture, and and you don't have to look any further than the idea of number four: suffering can educate and transform yep. straight from scripture. Yep. Number five: nonviolence chooses love instead of hate. Nonviolence resists violence to the spirit as well as the body. Uh, nonviolence love is active, not passive. Yep. Yep. And again. Scripture, right? The the idea say, that yep. love changes things, mm-hmm. love will correct sin, love will call out sin, but love restores, yeah, and and love brings redemption, right? And so we want a nonviolent protest so that we can speak towards love and not hate, and we can hopefully change the minds and the spirits of people right. with that love. Yeah. Um, and it doesn't sink to the level mm. of the hater. Right. So you've got yeah, he said that. Yeah, yeah. these people are hating me. Well, if I hate back, mm-hmm. then I'm just sinking to the level of their wickedness. What's the point of doing that? Right. Instead, love wants to restore yeah. uh, and resist injustice. He, he didn't want to replace one injustice with another injustice. Right. And, and so his focus on love and recognizing the fact that all life is connected. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we talked about the idea um, 
in some earlier podcast of, of a book I'm reading by James Baldwin. And James Baldwin mm. constantly talked about the fact that, that we are one in our humanity. Right. And so we we're interlocked, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And so if I'm fighting injustice and destroying you while I'm fighting injustice, I'm right. still just hurting myself because we're still interlocked. Right. I need you to be restored as I'm being right. restored together. So we can be restored. Right. So that we can be restored. That's good. Uh, number six, nonviolence believes that the universe is on the side of justice. The nonviolent resistor has deep faith that justice will eventually win. Um, and I, I kind of believe that, you know, the universe is, is God, right? Well, so in, in this nonviolence believes that God is on the side of justice. Yeah. And that God has set up the That's what world. Characterized his, his yeah. belief. Yeah. Yeah. God has set up the world in such a way that justice will win out. Yeah. Uh, God has set up the universe in such a way, um, that it is on the side of justice. Right. Um, he, he didn't believe the universe was in charge. He's mm -hmm. saying the universe, as God has created it, right. is on the side of justice, and justice is going to win out. Yeah. So the battle that we're fighting is, mm -hmm. a, is a battle that will win in the end. Right. Because God will... Again, from Scripture. Right. Make <laughs> sure that it wins in the end. Right. And, and so this nonviolent movement mm -hmm. was a rejection of the cruelty that he saw and the tyranny that he saw from the opposing side. Yeah. Uh, he didn't just want avoidance to, of repercussions. Yeah. He didn't just, he didn't just want to, um, avoid, you know, yeah. getting in trouble. Right. Which that, he was accused of that right. by some people on his own side were like, listen, you just don't want to be violent because you don't want to go to prison. Exactly. You don't want to be violent because you don't want to deal with the repercussions of it. Well, yeah. that's not true at all. It right. was a biblical worldview. Yeah that empowered his movement mm -hmm. of nonviolence. And this fundamental belief, again, was, it really changed uh, the country. Mm -hmm. um, it, it eventually won people over. And his efforts and the, the efforts of his supporters, um, eventually the public was swayed yeah. that he was right. And, and so there were some major acts of Congress that were put in motion because of him. Mm -hmm. I think largely he was responsible for the passage of the civil rights act in 1964, yeah. the voting rights act of 1965. If you haven't seen the movie Selma, mm -hmm. I encourage you to watch the movie That's Selma, great. the civil rights act banned discrimination in the work workforce, uh, public accommodations, um, based on race, religion, right. color, national, um, origin, the, the voting rights act protected African-Americans right to vote. He also played a, major part in the Fair Housing Act, which mm -hmm. was in 1968, which right. prevented people from banning black people from any sort of housing um, when it came to rentals or, or sales. Yeah. And so, so this change he made still impacts today. Absolutely. And, and is one of the reasons that we have, you know, it, things aren't perfect, but they're better right. than they were in the 1960s. Right. And, I, and I love that fear never stopped him from doing what was right. I love that and too. it, yeah. and I think that unified the people under a common goal. We're not going to be afraid. Yeah. Justice is going to win. We're going to accomplish this through nonviolent protest. Love is the ultimate weapon that we have. Um, and today we see the, the consequences right. 
of what MLK did and and how he moved this country in the right direction, in yeah. a direction that, I mean, in 2008, we, we get a black president for the first time. Right. Um, that doesn't happen without MLK. Yeah. That doesn't occur without MLK. We, yeah. we don't have the things we have today without his voice right. um, speaking to this issue. Yeah. And, and again, I just want to reiterate, the voices of people like King are never popular at the time. Right. They're never popular at the time. So true. It is not so later when we look back that we realize, my goodness, he was so right mm. in so many ways. Let's give him a holiday. Right. You know what I mean? Let's yeah. like set up a holiday. And 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 so often we have to remember that when we're currently going through things. Yeah. Right? When we're currently going through, you know, racial issues that we're dealing with. Right. You know, remember that history is going to look back on us. Mm-hmm. At, at some point. Right. And what are they going to say? Right. Right. And it can't be judged by your popularity at the time. Right. It's going to be judged by how you accomplish what you accomplish and, and the consequences that come from that. Yeah. And so we have to, we have to remember that his legacy transcends, you know, the holiday that right. we give him. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a man who progressed the civil rights movement further than any, probably one individual yeah. Uh, did in American history. And he did it through nonviolent means. Yeah. He wrapped it all Unheard of. in Christianity. Right. That's amazing. He wrapped it all in Christianity. Yeah. And he did it in a, in a way that edified yeah. people and glorified God. Mm. And as we're trying to fight injustice in our lives, yeah. as we're trying to fight for justice in our lives, those are some, some takeaways that we can have. Right. You know, love is the weapon, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the idea that we as Christians fighting for justice, we, we will see justice on the earth, this earth. Absolutely. Like it is going to happen. We're fighting a winning battle, yeah. not a losing battle. Yeah. And, um, and we can do it without fear because God is in control of these things. And so that, that's some of the takeaways that we take from, from his life and what he accomplished and, and the fruit that we're still seeing today yeah. from his life. So we didn't want this... Mm-hmm. week to pass without at least um, talking about those and bringing yeah. those things and and understanding his worldview, which is a Christian worldview, which is the worldview we have to have about everything that we take, right. including who wins an election and including who becomes president of the United States. And that is what we're going to get into next, which is the actually the topic proper for today, which is a, an election recap and some thoughts that we have this time, an election recap and the thoughts that we have about the election that just happened a few months ago and uh, the inauguration that will happen today. So let's talk about the election. Um, one of the, the most amazing things about it was that the black vote in uh, major metro cities, they showed swing out. states, they showed out. They uh, showed Detroit, out. Atlanta, Philadelphia mm-hmm. all showed out for their states. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the black voice was heard. Yep. And this is uh, kind of unprecedented, right? Like, Yeah. Well, and, and two of these states, I mean, you got Pennsylvania and Michigan. They're always swing states. Right. Mm-hmm. So so Detroit and, and Philly right. showing out the way they did right. for Biden was it swung those states. Yeah. What's crazy is mm-hmm. is that Georgia's not normally a swing state. Yeah. Georgia usually goes yeah, that was flipped. Yeah. yeah. I mean yeah. Georgia usually goes Republican. And to have Atlanta 
show up at the polls mm-hmm. the way that they did, yeah. um, black people flip that state. Right. And and what's interesting is whether you wanted Trump to win or whether you wanted Biden to win. Right. It is good for America that black people are are voting in record numbers. Yeah. yeah. It's good for America that they um, they showed out the way they did and their voice was heard the way they did. Especially given the fact that, you know, kind of some of the things we just talked about, the fact that this history suppressed their vote for decades and decades and decades. And by the way, some people are still trying to suppress the vote today. But to, to to know the history of what had to go on yeah. to get that suppression out of the way so the black vote could be heard. Again, if you haven't seen the movie Selma, mm-hmm. go watch the movie Selma. Mm-hmm. It, it's such a blessing to me to yeah. see that these freedoms have been fought for, they have been won, and yeah. black people are taking advantage of those freedoms and and stepping up in cities like Detroit, yeah. Atlanta, and Philadelphia, and, and all over the country. Right. Um, to have black people come out and vote in record numbers yeah. um, is is good for the nation yeah. as as a whole. Regardless of where you stand politically. Yeah. yeah. And I'll yeah. tell you, where we stand is divided. Right. <laughs> that's yeah. that's where we stand. <laughs> yeah. We are a divided nation when it comes to politics. Absolutely. Uh, in this nation. In yep. fact, we, we had the most people vote. And we still couldn't be more divided mm-hmm. than ever before. And and so here's the question people begin to ask. Why are we divided in the way that we vote? Right. Right. And, what, and this was amazing. This was kind of crazy because I, I didn't expect this. But yeah, go ahead. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. Well, what causes that division? Yeah. Why do we vote so differently? Yeah. Why? And, and you know, down the middle, just kind of one way or other, mm-hmm. you know, um, what causes that division? And ultimately, the answer is priorities. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate answer. So um, the post-voting polls, mm. not the pre-voting polls, which ev- always gets everything wrong, right? The media just right, wants right. to run with all that. The post-voting polls. So after the way this poll was conducted, what I read about was after people came out of the polls, they they grabbed thousands of people mm-hmm. and they asked them, um, gave them seven options and said, out of these options, what would you rank number one, two, three, four, five, six, seven as to why you voted the way that you did? Mm-hmm. And, and here's what was found. Republicans stated that 67 to 70% of Republicans stated that the economy yep. was the number one reason they voted Republican. Right. Okay, so the priority right. for 70% of Republicans... Mm-hmm is the economy, mm-hmm. all right? Huge percentage. That's the reason they voted the way they voted. Right. Down at the bottom of their list, right. totaling only about 7% mm-hmm. was racial justice and COVID safety. Right. So when it came to COVID health, Republicans didn't care. Yeah. When it came to racial justice, that wasn't their number one priority either. It, their number one it was priority. Their bottom. I mean, it yeah, was, it was the, the bottoms. The bottom yeah. line was, you know, the economy. Yeah. That was their bottom line. Right. Then you go to the Democrats and you give them the same seven options. Their number one and number two option, when you combine them together, was 70% racial justice and COVID safety and yeah. health. Yeah. So so look at the difference Completely there. Completely flipped. Yeah. Completely flipped. Right. You you have them, in fact, the economy was down near 10% mm-hmm. for for 
uh, those that voted Democrat. So you look at those two things and you say, well, that's why we're split. Right. That's why we're divided. Right. It's the priorities of the people. Yeah. You've got Democrats voting priority, health, safety, racial justice. Mm-hmm. Republicans voting economy. Right. So if you want to ask, why is the nation divided? The answer is priorities. Right. What people, at, at least at the time of November 1st, mm-hmm. 2020, at the time, these were the priorities in the nation. Right. And they were very different based upon whether or not you pushed R or whether you pushed D. Mm-hmm. And those differences um, is what is why the vote went the way it, it did. So I think one of the biggest issues is is the demonizing of of those different um, perspectives. So I mean, I, I know of uh, a lot of my Democrat friends that will will demonize Republicans for voting a certain way or or whatever else, um, and just kind of kind of say, well, it's because they're racist, right? You know what I mean, right? Um, and then there's on the other side, it's this this idea of you know they are they're too worried about social justice and that's not even a thing and that's not right. you know what I'm saying yeah. so um, and then they just kind of they're socialists they're they're whatever else right. so they demonize the each other side side and then what stinks is is there's good stuff on both sides mm-hmm. like there really is good right. stuff on both sides right. and and if we could take the good, from yeah. both sides, then right. then this nation would be amazing. Right. And as Christians, we've talked about this multiple times. As Christians, we cannot fall into the trap of us versus them. Right. We cannot fall into the trap that it is me against this other human being. Yeah. It's not me against this other human being. We right. don't wrestle against flesh and blood. Absolutely. And so if I can look at this human being and say, I have disagreement with you yeah. on this. Right. Um, now, if sin, sin, and wickedness is wickedness, you call it out. But, yeah. but I don't think them. I, I, I think what both sides try to do is you, you've got the Democrats trying to label all Trump voters as racist, right. as if if you voted for Trump, you're a racist, right. and that's certainly not true. No. And then you have the the Republicans, like you said, trying to demonize the other side and paint the socialist them, or Marxist right, or whatever all, else. Uh, yeah, as a huge broad brush. Right. Then everybody's just yelling past each other. Nothing right. gets done. And what we as Christians have to do is we have to step in and we have to say, well, wait a minute here. That's not what we've been called to do. Right. We've not been called to demonize other human beings. Right. And we've been called to, you know, call good, good, yeah. called bad, bad, and try to bring and unity. We're supposed to be blessed are the peacemakers. And I think the way to do that is keep our identity in Christ and right. not a political party. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, I, I think that when you, when you identify... Regardless which way you vote. Right. Yeah, right. You, you vote whatever way, um, but when you identify as a, you know... Uh, yeah. And not not saying like I'm a Republican, I'm a Democrat, but right. when you wrap that is your, your personal identity, identity in that, and you get so offended when somebody else has a different perspective, right? Um, that is not unbiblical, right? Just different than yours. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I had, I got, you know, I, I texted you and and asked you if if I'm too old to get into the Facebook ring, yeah. Um, yeah. But but that is that is the case, and you know, posting something. That should be pretty fairly uncontroversial. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, didn't really have too much, but I got when a you, ton of feedback and but, I got a ton of pushback. And I think a lot. I think what happens is is that when you view 
issues in life through the lens of politics yeah. rather than the lens of the kingdom, right? then we're going to get skewed. Yeah. Right? We're going to get skewed. Yeah. And so our identity must be wrapped up in the kingdom. Yeah. It must be wrapped up in Christ. Yeah. And because these priorities exist. I right. mean, these are just... Yeah. These are the numbers. These are the facts. Right. These priorities exist. These are things people care and, about. And people are split on mm-hmm. what are the most important things. Absolutely. And it's got to be the voice of the church that comes in and says, here, here are the most important things. Right. And... And bring some balance yeah. to this divide and try to be peacemakers in this divide yeah. while at the same time, you know, calling sin, sin. And, and, Absolutely. You know, and, and so that's, as far as I'm concerned, mm-hmm. when I look at 2020, the election of 2020, that's what's going to stick with me right. is that this country was divided on priorities mm. and they were divided on what was truly important. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you one thing that, that I find is important even though, and again, we have told you on this podcast before, we are outsiders because we do not fall into a Republican platform or a Democratic platform. Yep. Um, we do not have an ideology that fits well with either one of those. Right. Um, but we can recognize important moments in history when they're there, even yeah. if um, it's necessarily on a side that we don't fully support. Correct. Right. And so... Kamala Harris mm-hmm. is about to be the first female vice president. And when you're listening to this podcast, yeah. she will, um, Lord willing, already be the mm-hmm. vice president of the United States. And for right. the very first time, we're going to have a woman right. um, in the second highest place in the land. Yeah. Um, and that's huge for women. Yeah. That is massive for women in general. Right. Um, and then on top of that, she is a female of color. Right. So we're we're not only getting the first female, we're getting the first female of color, right. and only the second person of color to be in the White House at all. Right. A, you know, as far as vice president and president goes, you had right. Barack Obama, and now you have Kamala Harris. And so that this is an important moment in human in, in mm-hmm. human history and in, in American, American history. Yeah. This is really really important. And we need to celebrate that, even if we're not, even if you you can't celebrate her positions yeah. or policies and all that. Celebrate the fact that in 2021, a female of color was voted to be the vice president of the United States. That's progress. And yeah, and that and that that is important, mm-hmm. and that gets us moving in a direction that we need to be moving, and it's continuing a path that Martin Luther King Jr. would be very, very excited about. Now, what he would not be very, very excited about is what happened on Jan 6. No. What he would not be excited about is what went down um, at the Capitol on January 6th. It's horrible. Um, And I have many, many thoughts about this. Mm -hmm. Not all am I going to share on a microphone. Yeah, same here. Um, But I have (laughs) tons of thoughts about this, and and I just want to speak to a couple things. Um. One is the fact that, again, breaking the law and committing these atrocities that happened. Many people have, as we've, the FBI has been arresting people, many, many we have found out were predetermined and pre planned to mm-hmm. commit these acts of violence. Mm-hmm. Um, police officers lost their lives that day. Right. And if Blue Lives Matter, then all of us should right. be linked together to say what a wicked, mm-hmm. horrible, 
tragic thing this was. Right. What is sad is I have, I know of pastors mm-hmm. who have, not only have they not condemned what happened, right. um, but they have said that something like this is a necessity. Yeah. And that's the the tragedy mm-hmm. of what has happened is that by and large, most people have condemned it, but that there are people who do not see um, this as the wicked, evil act that it was. Especially Christian people. Yeah. Uh, and, and pastors. Christian pastors. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Um, it is crazy. Yeah. And, and so I always ask myself, like, how how does a pastor get to that place? Yeah. Like, how does a pastor get to the place where um, violently rioting the capital of the United States of right. America um, is an okay thing or an acceptable thing for the cause? These people were patriots, mm-hmm. right? These people were freedom fighters right. and not terrorists. Right. Um, and I think what the way that, that we get to that place in our minds um, is very slowly. Yeah, it's it, a slow fade. It's a slow um, distortion of proper thinking mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. I don't think someone wakes up and says, you know, they, they don't go from thinking that it would be wrong to thinking it could be right yeah. in one day. Right. It's a slow progression. And that just speaks to how we have got to always be transforming our mind by the renewing of the word. Yeah. We, we constantly have to be doing that, as yeah. Romans 12, 1 says. And so um, what was something that – what were your thoughts when you saw what was going down and yeah. how things were, were playing out? I, I saw a lot of identity crisis. Like whenever I see people that are, um, you know, that storming the Capitol and they have signs that say Jesus saves. Yeah. Um, and as then they're they breaking also, down doors and windows and stuff. Yeah, and, and they have a noose in the front and stuff. Like, yeah. those kind of things are, that's, it's, it's, hear me on this. It's the same thing that Dr. King did, but completely distorted. Right. So they're wrapping their, they're, they're mm-hmm. wrapping their politics, they're wrapping their beliefs in and stuff into faith. Right. And Christianity. Yeah, they're praying in the rotunda. And so they're just the dude with the horns, it and distorting it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. The, the, yeah, he's I a mean, QAnon shaman. Yeah. And he's standing at the rotunda where the speaker of the house speaks. Yeah. And he begins to pray in Jesus' name. Yeah. And so politely takes off his horns. Yeah. You know, in <laughs> oh, honor of gosh. Jesus. And so, um, so yeah, it's and and you said identity crisis, and that made me immediately think like these people again. When you find your identity in something other than right. the real Jesus, yeah. um, then, you, as our, our pastor always says, if you don't work, worship the Bible of Revelation, you will worship the 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 Bible of, or you, the God of your imagination. If you don't worship <laughs> the God of Revelation, you will you will create a God, God of, of your, your imagination. Of your imagination. There we go. And so many people have created a God wrapped mm. up in nationalism. Right. And I think that's a lot of what you saw on display. Yeah. You know, on January sixth. And here's the thing: if you know church history, Christians have been doing that from the get go in this nation. Right. We spent three, you know, weeks talking about the the failure of the white church mm-hmm. when it came to racism. Yeah. Um, the church, Christians, professing Christians, wrapped their racism 
in Christianity. Right. Um, now we're wrapping our nationalism yeah. in Christianity. Yeah. And we have to be very, very careful about doing that because um, it's unbiblical and it doesn't put kingdom over everything. We don't have to be careful. We just can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we cannot afford to do that. Right. Uh, and right. fly the banner of Jesus. Yeah, yeah I just meant time. be like, careful when we wrap our Christianity yeah. up. Right. We and, wrap anything up in our Christianity. Correct. Um, that that we're not yeah. distorting Christianity in the process. Right. And you that know? totally does. And so, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, yeah, I was ashamed. Yeah. You know, I was, oh, I yeah. was ashamed when I saw those signs and I saw, and I wasn't ashamed to be a Christian. I was ashamed that that, that is what is being portrayed. Yeah, it got co-opted. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I and I think to it was so opposite of the way Christians are supposed to respond. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. that's what tore my heart up. Yeah. Like this is the opposite of how Christians are supposed to respond to anything. Right. And so to see a cross, to see Jesus saves, to see mm-hmm. people praying outside as the riot is happening, right. that the riot would be blessed by the blood of Jesus. And then to see people praying in the in, in you know, where Congress sits and to be praying in Jesus name where the Senate sits. Yeah. Um, it is so opposite of what we should be doing. And right. so that's the question when we get to the application today, yeah. what, what should we be doing? What should we as Christians be doing as a new administration comes in and whether we are for that administration or against that administration, what are things that we should be doing that would properly testify that we believe in kingdom over everything? So we need to do that. We want to spend a few minutes here at the end of our podcast on our application segment or our biblical response segment uh, today. And there's basically four things that I want to speak about. Tyler and I have have talked through these four things. There, there is a lot more mm-hmm. that we could do. Um, there's a lot more that you should do. Right. But these are four things at the bare minimum that we as Bible-believing Christians who want to hold kingdom over everything, this is four things that we need to take away from how the Bible says we're supposed to treat situations that we're in right now with the new administration and living in a a government, right? Living under a governmental um, facilitation. There we go. Right. You don't want to say governmental control. Yeah, I was about to say rule, some, and I was like, some no, nations are, are that way. We are under go- governmental facilitation, maybe. The first thing, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> the first thing is from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. Here's what it says. First of all, then, I urge that supplications and prayers and intercessions and thanksgiving be made for all people. So let's just stop right there. So you're saying, I'm saying that we're to pray for Kamala Harris. What? And Joe Biden. No. And and notice what it says. We're supposed to intercede for them. Yeah. We're supposed to send out supplications and prayers and we're supposed to have thanksgivings. Yeah. For all people. Right. Which would include Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Yeah. And it, and it goes on to say this in in the continuation of this passage that this all people, right? That he's going to give these qualifiers now, right? These all people are for kings and all who are in high positions. Mm-hmm. Okay, in our nation, president and vice president are the highest positions you can get. Right, they are included in the people that we are supposed to pray for, make intercession for, 
give thanksgiving for. I am thankful for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for their lives. Mm-hmm. I'm thankful for, for um, the impact they have made on people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I am thankful for them. And it says in, in the last verse, this is good mm-hmm. and it is pleasing in the sight of God and our Savior mm-hmm. who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Right. I am to be praying um, that God would grant the gift of repentance to all who are in authority. Right. Whether I agree with their policies, mm-hmm. whether I think they are good for the nation, mm-hmm. whether I love them and think they're fantastic, mm-hmm. whether I agree with their policies, I, am, I should pray consistently right. that God would give the gift of repentance to all those in her authority if he has not already done so. Right. And we desire to see them um, saved, yeah. and we desire to see them to come to the knowledge of the truth. Right. And so we as Christians should commit to that end. Right. We are going to pray for the salvation um, of our civil yeah. rulers, yeah. right? Our governmental officials. And again, this is a very basic Christian response. Yeah. This this should be a very yeah. basic Christian response. And, but I'm going to tell you. But it should be. There are going to be people who oh. are going to have a hard time doing that. Oh, 100%. And they're going to have a hard time doing that because, again, Christians are mm-hmm. going to have a hard time doing that. Yep. So so I have to ask the question. If you have a hard time praying for the salvation mm-hmm. of someone you disagree with, mm-hmm. then, again, you're getting your your marching orders not from Scripture. Right. You You are allowing the world... Right. And your flesh and the devil to mess you up in such a way mm-hmm. that you are not able to do the most basic of commands right. when it comes to people who are in authority, which is to pray for their salvation. Yep. So if you're listening to this podcast right now, mm-hmm. I'm challenging you as a brother in Christ to obey God's word. Yeah. Pray for these people in high positions. Pray for them, intercede for them, um, give thanksgiving for them, and Pray that God would grant, you know, repentance and faith, and they would come to the knowledge of the truth. And number two, recognize that while we are praying for God to save people and change people and and move in people's hearts, that God's providence rules over the kings of the earth. Mm. This is what Proverbs 21.1 says. The king's heart is a stream of water. In the hand of the Lord, he turns it wherever he wills. Mm-hmm. We need to understand that God is in charge of the rulers of the earth. God is in charge of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. And he is going to move their hearts. He's going to allow their hearts to have things. But we've got to understand in all of that, his providence is ruling over their hearts. Yeah whether they're believers or not believers. And I don't know them personally. I can't speak to that. But I I do know that God is going to rule over their hearts. Therefore, because that is true, God can restrain their pride. Mm -hmm. He can restrain uh, any folly Mm -hmm. of any of the the rulers and leaders of the earth. And he can restrain that. He can let that go. He's going to govern that like a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He's going to turn it wherever he wills to fulfill his purposes. Right. Isaiah 44, 28. Mm-hmm. To fulfill his purposes. Right. 
It, it, God, it, God's not going to let something happen that isn't going to fulfill his purpose. Right. Right. There's not going to be any wasted thing. So just like Trump was put in place by the decree of God. Now Biden and Kamala Harris are put in place by the decree of God. Yeah. He is going to stir their hearts. He's going to move their hearts. He's going to restrain evil when he needs to restrain it. He's going to let it go all to fulfill his purpose. Yeah. So that should give us great hope that God's in charge. Right. Right. Absolutely. God is in charge. Yeah. Biden's not in charge. Kamala Harris is not in charge. Yeah. The, the people who voted for them yeah. are not in charge. God is in charge. Right. And what great hope that should bring us regardless of who is president Absolutely. Uh, and vice president of the United States. Yeah. And number three, as we pray, let us promote the good and right things that this administration does mm -hmm. uh, and also call out the evil and sinful decisions that they make. Amen. Uh, Amen. Right is right. Wrong is wrong, no matter what. Yeah. So we as Christians should stand on right and wrong. We should stand yes. on... Um, God's side and and yes. not evil and wickedness and so and what we see Tyler so often is if the person I voted for is doing it it's the right thing right if this is the person but I again did, that's wrapping your identity that's, I know. that's that whole idea I know yeah if if I if the person if I didn't vote for this person mm -hmm. and they're doing something it's the wrong thing right so instead of looking at it with the lens of scripture. Right. We look at through the lens of partisan politics mm -hmm. and we, we have been called to something greater than that. Right. When Biden and Harris do something good and right and just, yeah. we should thank God for that. Right. And, and rejoice over those things. Right. When they stand for something evil and wicked and sinful, yeah. then we stand against those things. Right. And, that is one thing that happens in partisan politics that drives me yeah. absolutely bonkers. Right. It drives me nuts, man, that yeah. we can't just say, I don't care if I voted for this dude or not. What you just said is wrong. Right. <laughs> it's not right. It's mm -hmm. sinful. It's wicked. Uh, you know, I don't care if I voted for you or not. What you just did was great. Yeah. It was good and righteous. Right. And I'm thankful for it. Mm -hmm. And we should be able to do that as people of God if, if we're going to hold the scripture. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, number four, may we be a people who live for kingdom over everything. 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 May the gospel be our focus, and may we live in light of that during this administration, yeah, uh, yeah. whether we agree or not Absolutely. with the administration. We've been called to a higher focus. Yeah. We've been called for a kingdom that is not of this world system. Right. And that kingdom is over all of this. Mm -hmm. And we have to keep that in mind. And so just look at these four things. You've got, we're praying for the repentance and the salvation of, of people who are in charge, right. of people in high positions. Uh, we want them saved to come into the knowledge of the truth that they have not already done so. Mm -hmm. we, we desire as Christians to recognize the fact that God is in charge of everything. Mm -hmm. We don't have to freak out. We don't have to live in fear. Yeah. We don't have to um, be anxious about these things. God is in charge. Right. And as we pray and as we have this confidence, let's promote good things. Right. Let's call out bad things. Right. Let's do it consistently for the good of human beings. Mm -hmm. um, and may we focus on kingdom over everything. Yeah. And I think if we do these four things... Um, we, we've at least established a basic, fundamental standing 
for our place as Christians in the United States of America. And I I know we've talked about a lot in this podcast today. Mm -hmm. We've talked about MLK. We've talked about um, the impact of blacks in in the the election. We talked about the the things that we should rejoice for in this election. We talked about uh, the biblical things we should do. Just a lot of stuff that we covered. But we we wanted this uh, to kind of recap all of these things before we get into some... um, some other theological, yeah. you know, endelvings. And in, we just missed you guys. Endelvings? That's, that's, that's not definitely Endeavors. not Endeavors? Definitely not right. Yeah, we yeah. missed you guys so much. Yeah. We missed um, you hearing our voices. Yeah. That's what we missed. Is we that, missed you that? hearing our voices. We get some interaction. Yeah, we do. But we can't We can't talk to you right now. But we would love to get more interaction. We would. And that leaves us a great <laughs> segue into making sure that you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram so that we can interact with you and we can have yeah. uh, a good ongoing dialogue about race, justice, and Jesus. And that's what this podcast is all about. So thanks for joining us again. And we're going to hopefully, Lord willing, be back on a regular basis every couple weeks or yep. so. Yep. And uh, we hope that you will be tuning in to listen to all of those as well. We love you guys. Live for the kingdom over everything. 